welcome to Successful Student Transitions, a podcast hosted by me, Louise Wiles, and Elizabeth Gillies. Our aim is to support you as you step out, find your new gear, and thrive in the next stage of your life. Perhaps you're making a move to university, a year abroad, a work placement, or out into the world of work. This podcast is for you. In this episode, we continue thinking about the factors that contribute to our sense of well-being, focusing here on meaning and maturing. Martin Seligman says, just as the good life is something beyond the pleasant life, the meaningful life is beyond the good life. So what gives your life meaning and purpose? Listen on to find out. We hope you enjoy this episode. Please follow, rate and review the podcast to help us in spreading the word. Hello and welcome to this episode where we're going to be thinking about the M in the PERMA framework. So the PERMA framework is comprised of um, six different elements, P-E-R-M-A-H, and P is for positive emotions, E, engagement, R, relationships, M, meaning and maturing, A, accomplishments, and H, health. So today we're focusing exclusively on the meaning pillar of PERMA, meaning and maturing and how it's fundamental or a fundamental contributor to our well-being. And I think really, really important at this time of transition, when you're making a move from one stage of your life to the next, um, a big life change, is to really think about the relevance of that change and in, in terms of what it means to you and how it matters to you. Um, and so we're going to talk about this in quite a lot of detail and I'm going to give you quite a number of different exercises that you can sort of use and, and do to to help you develop your understanding of your own meaning and maturing and it's personal to everyone so there's no right or wrong answer to this so as, as we start I'd like you to think about something or someone that really matters to you something that means a lot to you so it might be a person it might be a community might be an activity that you get involved in regularly, might be a place that you like to visit or you have visited in the past and means a lot to you. What makes it so important to you and how does participating and being a part of it make you feel? So I'm here with Elizabeth today and so I'm going to ask Elizabeth to kick off with a story of her own about something that means and matters a lot to her. I'm going to choose a, a friend. I was I was kind of thinking about when you were talking there about what I'd choose. And I've got a friend that I've had for a long time, maybe longer than both of us even want to kind of say, but it was somebody that I trained um, to be a psychologist with a long time ago. And so we were both in that kind of early stages of learning how to be a psychologist and the things that you, we would do and the things that to be helpful and the things that weren't helpful. And we've cemented our friendship and, and work relationship over a number of years. And there's someone that I'll often turn to if I've got something to think about or somebody that I'd ask a question of, um, because I know that they'd always be there to kind of help and support me. So it's somebody that I feel there's that when we remember we were talking about relationships before, someone that I feel that I've got quite an equal relationship, equal and supportive, equal and sometimes challenging, you know, so they they're not a rollover. Um mm-hmm. 
So it can it's a it brings me a lot of security having somebody like that that I have that that they they really matter to me. Lovely. That sounds like a wonderful relationship. So I think that is a great example of you know thinking about what means and matters to us in life, and it's you know we often don't take time to really think about it, but I think when we do sit down and think about it. There are so many different things and it makes me think of um, some research by a psychologist called Brian Little and he's a personality psychologist in a lot of his life um, investigating personality but he talks about the projects we have in life and he talks about you know we can have big projects you know work projects studying projects but we can have little projects as well which might be the little walk we go every day that has meaning and purpose to us. And he suggests one good thing, one one really great way to think about meaning and mattering is just to sit and write down all the projects, give yourself 10 minutes and just write down all the projects you have in your life in the sense of, you know, what matters to you, um, big and small. And, and then, and just, yeah, yeah, then reflect on, on what they are and why they're, they're important to you. I can learn quite a lot from from that, um, and it and the point he makes about it is that you know, our personality is derived yes from our personality traits that often people review as you know, if you talk about the big five traits and okay this is not a podcast on personality so we're going to those now but they can you know, people talk about them as being quite fixed although they can you know, we can change them but with quite a lot of effort um, he said the other way that we can develop ourselves is by the projects we choose to be involved in. Um, so I think that's the really important point about this episode, because where you place meaning and where you choose that things matter will over time evolve to develop yeah, your future, your life, but also you, because we develop through the things that we interact with and behaviors and active actions we take. So, um, another reason for, for this being an important thing to think about. Um, I was going to quickly share one that matters to me. I lived in Portugal for in total about 12 and a half years. And for me, it's a very important place. It's full of memories. Um, you know, my, one of my children was born in, on the island of Madeira. Um, my children were very young, living in Madeira, then also in Lisbon, but I also lived in Lisbon before I ever had children. So different stages of my life have been lived in Portugal, and it just holds so much meaning for me. And we're going back on holiday next week for two and a half weeks. And I'm so looking forward to it because it's a part of me. It's become so embedded. It is such a part of me. I love the Portuguese culture, the people, the Oh, the whole yeah the country is beautiful and I'm very very lucky to be able to go back as we do and to have that connection but it has holds huge meaning for me as well um and if I were to take that out of my life there'd be a massive hole so yeah important to acknowledge that um but then also for me to think about well how can I continue to, to develop that and allow that to be part of my life and to recognize and acknowledge it so pause the podcast perhaps spend 10 minutes thinking about your projects um and also a few that really hold a lot of deep meaning for you so humans are wired to be social and seek meaning and purpose in life and dr michael steger he says that people who report having a sense of meaning are more satisfied less depressed anxious and more committed and engaged to their career companies and organizations and um 
that's a really beneficial thing. So thinking back to those projects that we've just asked you to list, when you think about the times you were or are involved in projects that matter and hold meaning for you, how would you describe how you were or are feeling? What impact did or does that involvement have on your sense of well-being? And what was it about those projects that created or creates a sense of meaning and resulting feeling of well-being? You know, this is really valuable to think about because when you can identify the different components, you can then look to replicate that in new and different projects. So great, well done for reflecting on that. So next we're going to share four different components of meaningful situations and I wonder how this will connect with the thoughts that you have just had about your meaningful projects. The first is significance and mattering. So a sign of importance contribution that we can make a difference um, these are all the things that give us a sense of meaning and we do this often by using our strengths things that we find really meaningful to us we often are using our strengths to actually engage in them and to do well so it's worth pausing and thinking when you're finding something of significance you're finding something matters we finding that you really engage well in something to reflect, well, what I'm actually doing, what skills and strengths am I using in this moment? Um, and also, there'll be a sense of value, you know, why they're important to us as well, why it's significant to us. So the second element is purpose. And the famous quote, you've probably heard it, those who have a why to live can bear any how. So the why gives us direction and call goals to aim for. So if you're moving as you are onto a new stage of your life, a new job, if you've left college, uni and you're working, going into the working world or to university, then hopefully you have some goals around that. And it's worth thinking about what those are and what you hope to achieve through this experience. Um, and not just academically, not just work-wise either, you know, think more broadly about life and what you would like your life to look like. Then comprehension and coherence. Now, we need to be able to connect our lives and make a coherence of whole of them in terms of the way we talk about life. So connecting the past, the present and the future. Um, you know, we construct our understanding of the world and our life and we do that through the stories we tell and um, how we connect different events and that, you know, make it and make sense and meaning of those. So it's our ability to perceive a sense of coherence and understanding in relation to our lives. So storytelling does give us that sense of coherence. You know, when we tell a story to other people about what we've done in life, as I did at the beginning, talking about Portugal, that gives me a sense of why Portugal is important to me, that coherence about my earlier life to now and into the future. And so we do it all the time. So if you just pause to think about the stories you tell, you'll probably notice that you are creating for yourself that coherence and then finally transcendence often that's a really big word and people think it's you know, oh, transcendence you're transcending everything it doesn't actually necessarily have to be big it can be quite simple as well so one of the examples I often think about for myself is I love to walk so just going for a walk in nature for me gives me that space and gives me that understanding that I'm a very small part of a very big whole um, and I think that's often really helpful to recognise that we are part of something much bigger than ourselves. 
um, and have the parts, very small part we play in that, but we do play a part and that's important to recognise too. So to summarise, the four components, one, significance and mattering, two, understanding our why and purpose, three, coherence and understanding, and finally, four, transcendence. So people who have a strong sense of meaning have better immune systems, they have buffers against stress, and live longer in general. So there's real value in knowing why things are important to you and matter to you. So we spend some time thinking about how to build our personal sense of meaning and mattering. And I'm going to suggest a range of different approaches and you can choose the ones that make sense and mean most to you. Um, This isn't prescriptive, it's just suggestive in that sense. And I think it's a bit like building a recipe, you know, different components and mix, mix and match. So the first thing, your interests and passions. So the things that you love to do that light you up, Um, that energize you Um, and these are different from person to person so we're not all the same we're all very individual and there's no right answer to this it's a question of reflecting and thinking about what we're interested in right at this point and perhaps looking back at the threads of the past as well and what interested us in the past too then there's 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 values as well isn't there Louise and we've We've talked, we've talked before about values um, and thinking about the person that you kind of want to be, um, the things that are important in your life, um, the person that you kind of, you might want to become. And I often see values as, as a compass, you know, it's a direction for us. We're never going to get there. That, that's the difference between goals and values, isn't it? A goal I want to pass my driving test. You can do it and pass your driving test. But, you know, if you want to become, um, you know, a really careful one, of the, you know, a good driver who's kind of aware of their environment and everything, that's more about, you know, being being careful, that kind of careful person. That's more about a kind of value that will lead you in that direction to be that person. So it kind of provides knowing your values, provides that motivation to make choices, to go towards those values that you want. So our values are really also important in um, meaning and mattering to us. Yeah, absolutely. And also our strengths. So you'll notice when you're participating in things that light you up, Um, there are aspects of what you're doing that energize you Um, you perform well and you enjoy doing Um, so for example one of my strengths is growth personal growth but actually even beyond that of understanding and applying knowledge to different situations and scenarios and one of the things I enjoy doing is things like this so researching this topic for this podcast I use another strength of mine which is curiosity so I ask questions and do some research and discover things to help me create the content and then I create the content to enable you so there is a part of what I enjoy doing which is pulling it together hopefully to some coherent and useful whole (laughs) and I might teach it if I was in a you know teaching environment which I'm not this is a podcast um, but I'm communicating it to you and hoping to be of service to you So service is another of my strengths. 
And as I write that and I think about that, I feel alive by what I'm doing. Um, and it means that it matters to me as well. So as I was sitting preparing this, I was sitting doing it enthusiastically. I was pretty energized by what I was doing. Um, I didn't really notice the time either, other than I was running out of time <laughs> towards the end and needed to get it done. But it certainly wasn't a drag. It wasn't a pain to be doing it. I was noticing it was, yeah, a good, good, you know, time spent, time well spent uh, that I would choose to spend my time doing. So, um, really worth thinking about and noticing when you're in that kind of situation and you're doing stuff that you're really enjoying and you're energized by what's what's what are what's going on you know what am I actually doing um you can do some strengths assessments we'll come on to talk about that to discover your strengths and it's really worthwhile thinking that through and when Louise was talking there about you know following her maybe values and strengths she's also using a skill set aren't you so you're using a set of skills to be able to do this like you're reading and you're synthesizing things and you're kind of um, bringing things together you know bringing information together and I think you know when you're at school often we think about skills as you know, around subject matters and stuff like that. You know, I'm good at maths or I'm good at French or whatever it might be. But I think we want to kind of grow that 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 um, awareness and thinking about developing de- developing skills beyond those academic skills, and be thinking about we're going to be talking in another um, podcast about your organisation skills, and we've been talking, I guess, about social skills in terms of relationships. So these skills, depending on the kind of challenges you come up with, will likely grow. So you're growing and developing skills all the time you might not know it but it will be happening I mean we get into that kind of thing when we first are learning something we're very conscious about how we're not doing it that well and then you get into this kind of just you know how to do it so um it's quite good when you are developing skills to know your place as a learner and then be kind of developing those things because being a learner is a good place to be. And when you're in a transition, that's a really skill learning time. So you're learning to do things. You haven't got it yet, but you're learning to do it. Yeah, I think that's really important. And there is a sort of framework that says, you know, when you start to learn a new skill, you're you're initially you're unconsciously incompetent. You don't even know that you can't do it. Then you become consciously incompetent and that's actually quite painful you realize where you're lacking but that motivates you to look for some learning so you develop a skill to then become consciously competent which is that stage if you're learning to drive for example Elizabeth's example before you know that was when you became aware of what you needed to do but you're having to really think it through as you were doing it and it felt quite tough and then over time with practice and that's the important point practice you become unconsciously competent you don't actually have to think about it anymore I mean that's not true for all skills but certainly for driving I think a lot of the time it is so it's that sort of process that um, can feel quite um, cumbersome I think that's the important point to make it can feel really tough at times Um, but the important thing is to recognize yeah 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 but recognize that you are actually making progress yeah 
So ideas for finding our sense of meaning and mattering, and we're going to give you some other kind of ways to think about it. And, you know, let's go back to kind of understanding your values. There is a values in action, a VIA, it's called assessment. And you can go online and it's based quite firmly in positive psychology. Um, They have 24 what they call character strengths. And you'll be able to kind of find out kind of the lead ones for you, the ones that are really kind of important. Um, And there might be ones that, you know, you'll see that you want to develop more. So they're not just the ones that are there, but the ones that you think, okay, I need to pay attention to those ones. So that's one way you can understand your values. And then another way of kind of accessing values is to write or Think a story, think about a story or something that happened to you. What, what was your best day? What was the, the, the best day you ever had? And we, you know, we'd ask you to write down in great detail about, you know, where you were and who you were with and what you did and how you felt and kind of looking back on it now. Um what are you kind of seeing that's important to you? What's kind of jumping out at, oh, yeah, actually that being with that other person or learning this new thing or um, what were the kind of values that were there for jumping out of you? What can you spot really quickly? Um, so I, I like that idea of, you know, sometimes we think of our worst day, but actually when you, when you, dig down deeper into your best day, it can often reveal about the things that really matter to you, the things that are important. Yeah, lovely. So your values tell you what's important to you and sort of help you make choices and decisions. And um, they kind of your compass, as Elizabeth said, they are guiding star. Um, and then your strengths. Your strengths kind of can be attached to your values. Often, you know, we might have a strength, for example, of of growth, um, which tells you something about what you believe about um, what's important in life, so development and so on. Um, But also we have other strengths that we develop just because we're good at doing stuff and we're energised by it and we enjoy it. There are positive attributes, if you like. And so you can take various assessments to find out what strengths are um, there's one called the strengths profile strengthsprofile.com you do have to pay for it but I think it is worthwhile doing but first of all check with your career service because I know as a lot of universities they do provide access to strengths assessments so go and have a look online at your sort of career advisory resources and you might find a link to a strengths assessment that you can take to to find out what your strengths are we tend to have some very core strengths that don't tend to change over time. But then there are other strengths that do change over time, depending on what we're focusing on um, and new experiences and so on. So this time of transition is a really good time to look at your strengths, to sort of draw on your strengths to help and support you through some of the more challenging moments. Um, but then to think about as you develop and as you focus on new things, how your strengths may grow and evolve over time another way you know to do a kind of self-assessment is you know lots of people journal don't they and journaling has you know it's 
known to be good for your mental health, good for your well-being. Um, so just journaling um, what's important to you, writing down what's happened to you that day, writing down what's how you felt about it, writing down some of your goals and how you're moving towards those things. Um, it could increase your understanding about what's valuable for you, what's meaning, what what's meaningful for you, what motivates you. Um, and, I, and I think the research behind the journaling is you don't have to do it every day for it to make it, make it um, meaningful for you. Every kind of two or three days or something like that. So, you know, when you miss a day and don't do it, don't, don't blame yourself, but just think this is a good thing to do to be flexible about it, not to hold on to it too tightly, but journaling is a good thing. And maybe even, especially at this kind of transition time, it's good to know kind of your progress and developing something that's called a timeline where you kind of think about early memories and maybe other transitions that you've been through in the past. Um, something we've touched on a little bit, I think when we've talked about um, transitions and where the original kind of transition work that Louise and I were, were basing it on a lot of resources from, from this kind of um, body of research from third culture kids. So young people who move around the world or, you know, adults that move around the world, you know, often it's something I would do with them in thinking about the transitions that they've made, the, the big moves they've made between countries or between schools or between continents sometimes. So you can see where you come from. You can see your past coming up into kind of your present and be thinking about where am I going to go next? Where's my future going to take me? So be thinking when you're drawing your timeline, what was and maybe is important to you now, the things that you've really enjoyed and loved, the kind of roles that you've played in in life, you know, the responsibilities that you've had, um, the things that you might have achieved and you're proud of, maybe even what's been sad or challenging and how you've coped with that. Um, what skills you've built, built, what what are the values that have been present at certain times? What are the strengths that you've really used that kind of are apparent in those times, especially when there've been transitions? Um, and how all of this kind of rich past that you've got, how could you kind of continue to use that into your future? So journaling and timelining can be quite a good thing to do that will help you discover some of the, the things that are, have been important and what, and you want to continue those in the future. Yeah, brilliant. And I think that sort of helps you develop this whole sense of coherence that we talked about at the beginning, which is part of you know, the elements, fundamental elements for finding meaning. Um, so another element, uh, suggestion I want to share with you um, is a great idea from a guy called Marcus Buckingham. So he created a strengths assessment called Strengths Finder when he worked at Gallup. Um, and he's now created a new assessment and a new, written a new book called Love and Work. And it's really well worth a read. Now he's quite critical at the beginning of the book about the current education system because he strongly disagrees with the standardization aspect of education because what he says it means that 
our love for who we really are is often turned into fear because what we have underlying is whether we will measure up to the standardized view of what we need to achieve or by the age of in the UK 16, 18 and then on to um, into higher education and so on. And through doing that, we kind of lose our sense of uniqueness. In fact, we perhaps think we shouldn't be unique, that we just have to be this homogenized um, whole that merges with everyone else. And we're judged by how well we match that, that required model. And the pitfall with all of this is that he says, you know, we lose our individuality and our ability to see what makes us different from everyone. And if you think about what we've been talking about up till now, it has been about what is different about us. We've been talking about our values, which are personal to us. We've been talking about our strengths, which are also personal to us. We're talking about different sense of meaning for different events and activities. That's all personal to us. Um, and, you know, everyone is different. If you look around the world, we are all individuals with our own different likes and dislikes. And so he's encouraging us to really think about that from an individual perspective. Not that he wants us to live individually. He's not talking about, you know, us, you know being you know individualism versus collectivism you know and not being part of the community not at all but he's encouraging us to think about what makes us different um and what we love about our individuality and how we can then play that forward to contribute in society and in the world he talks about you know and his concept is around love so he, he talks about when we're in love romantically we generate all kinds of brain chemicals, you know, oxytocin, dopamine, and some others that I can't pronounce. <laughs> but apparently the same is exactly true when we're engaged in the activities that we love. We produce the same. Um, and another one called anadamide, which brings us feelings of joy and wonder. And the relevance to all of this is that neurobiologists have found that when these chemicals are produced, they dysregulate neocortex cortex which means that we're able to widen our perspective on ourselves and liberate our mind to accept new thoughts and feelings it's actually the broad and build theory that comes from a psychologist called barbara Fredrickson, and she says you know when we're in a situation of fear our focus is narrowed it needs to because we have, a, have to have a few clear choices about how we're going to survive and that's where the fight flight comes from we don't see the wider perspective we just see the situation and then we react but when we feel love and when we feel safe and connected, we then can broaden our thoughts and our way of thinking um, and build our outlook and our strengths in you know, the situation, any given situation. So there's a real positive benefit to this, to ourselves. And so, so love is this kind of expanding, if you like. It enables us to expand our perspectives, our views, our abilities. Um, so to do anything great in life, we have to take seriously what we love and express it in some sort of, sort of productive way. This is what Marcus Buckingham says. So we take that sort of love, our ability to love and to love what we do. And we then identify what those things are. And he calls these our red threads, the red threads in life. So a bit like our strengths, spotting our strengths, um, it's sitting down and thinking, well, when I am I totally absorbed in something? When I'm, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing, what is it? What kind of situation is that? And pay attention to what we're paying attention to, what lights us up, what makes time 
fly by. So one way of doing this is, is to reflect on what you're doing in those moments and perhaps you'll identify there some redder threads, your loves, what you love in life. And then you can choose to channel those into your life, your work, the contributions that you're making in life. I suppose one thing to say about this is we can't spend our whole time doing what we love, unfortunately. <laughs> um, life isn't like that. But fortunately, research has shown that, um, this is research in the Mayo Clinic with doctors and nurses there, it's found that there's this 20% threshold. So if we can spend 20% of our time on things that we love, then we're far less likely to burn out and, and to feel you know, and the opposite of burning out to feel good about what we're doing. So it's, I'm not saying you, you only do what you love all the time. Unfortunately, life's not like that. But knowing what you love to do and building that into your day to day helps to give you a sense of meaning and purpose for the day and, and to engage, um, which is all really helpful. What are your loves in life, Elizabeth? What do you notice yourself noticing? <laughs> do you know, when you were talking about threads, it made me think about I love that I've had in my life and that I've just brought back into my life. I used to sew a lot. I used to kind of make clothes and stuff. And, of course, when I lived around the world, it was hard to have a sewing machine that worked in all the countries and everything. So, um, But recently I've um, my, my sewing machine has been given a kind of uh, uh, a revamp, a workover. And I started sewing again and how how I get lost in it. It's uh, and I, I think it's part of that creativity that I want to create things um, and I want to make something new. And I've got a vision of how it's going to look. And sometimes it works out like that. <laughs> um, but, you know, those kind of threads, things and, you know, the red threads and the sewing certainly been something that was in my past so it would have been on my timeline but I brought it now back into into my future and I think maybe sometimes the other thing that I I notice about myself um when I've had to make an effort on something when I felt quite challenged and then I've done it to whatever kind of level that I think, well, yeah, that was fun. That was good. Um, so when I'm challenged and I've made an effort and it's all over and done with, that kind of, that makes me feel quite good about, particularly about myself. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. That's great. So that's an example of how to think about your loves. And I really recommend um, going and getting hold of his book, Love and Work. It's really worth a, few, a, a read. And actually there's exercise in there to help you identify your love. So um, we can't do all of that here today, but worth going and having a look. So finally, the last method for thinking about crafting, if you like, meaning into your life. You know, every day we have tasks and things that we need to do. And so one of the way of thinking about, rather than thinking about sort of the broad meaning um, is to actually narrow it down to the tasks that you're having to undertake and look for the meaning in those. Um, so it's about personalising tasks. And it's been found by Rob Baker that it boosts innovation, nurtures health and well-being, and amplifies meaning, purpose and productivity. So to help you think about this, I'd like you to, if you've got a piece of paper with you, draw a circle 
and then just divide that into five different sections and then write these following words in one, one word per section. So what, who, why, where, and when. So five sections with those five words written around. So the what is all about what's called task crafting. So you ask yourself, well, what are the different tasks and activities that I'm going to prioritize and list them so you know what they are and what order they're in. And then align your strengths to those tasks or even your red threads as we've just discussed. Um, and this will help you help to make these tasks more engaging. You might also want to engage, put your values around that as well. You perhaps put your values around the whole circle as well, because that will help provide the intrinsic motivation for them too. But identifying the strengths that you could use to help you undertake the various tasks will help you feel more energised um, about those tasks. And in the, another one of the sections, the next session is you've written who in and that's the relationship crafting part. When you think about the task that you need to do, who are you interacting with? If you're interacting with anybody, maybe you're interacting with yourself, maybe that best self that you want to bring forward. But maybe there's someone that you could connect with. And if there are, how would these people energize you, support you? How could you learn from them? So, you know, in thinking about that, who when you're either going off to university or work, that could be a really important part of that crafting. Yeah. And I think the links into a previous podcast about asking for help. Yeah. You know, I think often we think, and because going back to Marcus Buckingham and the, the standardised system of education where we're all competing individually, um, well, it feels like well, that's what we're doing. I <laughs> mean, probably not competing totally but you know we all we all all performing individually we don't ask for help and um or certainly perhaps not with other students I think moving on to university or into the world of work is a chance to change that template and start embracing other people and involving them in what we're trying to achieve so the next one is why so this is about purpose crafting so why does this task matter to you um, and is this task going to make a positive contribution in some way um, to you and your goals or to others? You know, how can it help others as well as you? And why does it matter to you or to other people? So thinking about meaning and mattering in relation to that task will help to provide that intrinsic motivation. And the where comes next. So where is the most effective place to do the task? Um, and it might change. You might have a very noisy flat that you're living in, or you might, you know, be um, no notice that you the library is the best place for your work. So, you know, where you do the task is really important. And think about when you do it in that place. You know, how does that benefit you? How does it work for you? How does it maybe even be a bit joyful for you to do it in a place? That it, that it brings you kind of that successful feeling. And then final, when? Temporal crafting. So when we're doing this task, maximise your energy, what time of day, etc. We all 
have different energy levels at different times of day. So when's best for you? If it's a really important task, you know, perhaps don't do it when you know that you're not going to have the energy. You know, flip that and think about well, when will be the best best time to do this for me. And, and so remember, this, and remember, Louise. Sorry, to, when we talked about the sleep podcast, we talked about owls and larks, mm-hmm. and knowing what kind of person you were. So this is like going back to knowing your strengths and the kind of your preferences about stuff. So that when really matters, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. That when you're going to be more successful. If you're a lark, you're going to be doing things in the morning, and if you're an owl, maybe more in the evening. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So this doesn't have to take lots of time. Um, you know, just pause when you're doing your planning. Um, we're going to come on and talk about organisation next week. So when you're doing your planning for things and for work, just ask yourself very quickly, what, who, why, when and where? And just give yourself a few answers and make sure you're optimising yeah, the meaning and mattering that you take from the tasks. So that's a wrap for today. I hope that it's provided some insight into the value of understanding what is important to you and what gives you a sense of meaning and mattering in life. Remember, there's no one answer. You're delightfully, individually, you. I agree. So thanks. Thanks so much for listening and we'll be back next week. Well, so there's a lot of content in this episode and we hope that it's given you some motivation to reflect on what gives you a sense of meaning and what matters most in your life. As you become more involved in your new life and environment, you'll find meaning and mattering in new experiences, relationships, interests, hobbies, and we hope it brings you joy and most importantly, enhances your well-being. Now, if you're new to this podcast and would like to catch up on series three, The Fundamentals for Wellbeing, Dynamics for Thriving Through Change, then we suggest you begin by listening to episode 21, introducing the series itself, episode 22, where we talk about the wellbeing foundations, and episode 23, The Wellbeing Bucket. Resources mentioned today include Dr. Brian Little and his recommendation to reflect on our projects. You can learn more by going to his website, brianrlittle.com, and also Dr. Martin Seligman and his Primer Framework. We really recommend reading his book, Flourish, A New Understanding of Happiness and Wellbeing. So that's all for today. We wish you a really great week, and we'll be back next week where we're going to focus on organisation. Please like, follow, and share the podcast to help spread the word. Thank you so much. Bye-bye for now. And now for the legal bits. The information contained in this podcast is for information purposes only. The content is not intended to act as a substitute for professional advice. Please do not delay in seeking professional help for any medical or mental health condition. Use of the information in this podcast and associated materials is at the user's own risk.